Welcome to the Bronx Cheer Basketball Show. I am your host, Nathan Callanan, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jack Lynch. We're coming to you from Melbourne, Australia, where it's currently 10.51 a.m. on Monday, the 11th of January, 2021, JL. Uh, happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. It's been a, been a little while since we've spoken. I know. It's been a bit of a hiatus, but uh, we'll pretend like it didn't happen. <laughs> um, Always on today, away. On today's show... As I just mentioned, we haven't spoken since even the NBA season started and we're a good 10 games at least in, a good three or three or four weeks in at least. Um, so we're going to talk about all the positive players, the negatives, surprise, teams, everything. Just everything to go with the start of the season and it's going to be a good one. I think. Hopefully, JL. Hopefully, yeah. Can't guarantee much <laughs> at this stage. Uh, it might tough. be a bit out of touch. <laughs> it's time for tip off. When he's sticking you and taking all your money. Ladies and gentlemen, please do not, do not throw anything on the board. You can enter a player on either team. Decker's going to the power. Oh, he falls down. A clear path to the basket and slipped and fell much to the right of the garden crowd. I'm surprised by that, and, and the players are telling him not to be doing that. Once again, welcome to the Bronx Cheer Basketball Show. I'm joined by a guy who did not miss this podcast due to personal reasons. JL, how are you? <laughs> I'm better than a lot of the NBA players, that's for sure. Oh, Lord. Okay, so it is, as I said, it's Monday our time. It's sun- Sunday night, uh, US time. And yep. the Celtics and Heat game has been postponed because of COVID protocols. The Celtics have no players. Avery Bradley was going to have to miss as well for the Heat, which is weird because I just feel like he's a Celtic in my mind. He said he's still a Celtic as well. There you go. So you're not, you're not the only one thinking that. And it's been a, a week, I guess, for our teams with the Sixers riddled with these COVID protocols. They're happening more and more. They get, it seems like they just keep stacking on each other. The Rockets kicked it off with, was it John Wall and Cousins and they all got a haircut or something? What was that story at the start of the season? Oh, I, I can't even keep up anymore, Nave. <laughs> There's just so much. It's too regular. It's too, it's a common occurrence. Like every day you wake up and it's like, what player is missing today? What yeah. team shorthanded today? Yep. And uh, Kevin Durant, I think, is playing today after having a week out of due to uh, COVID protocols. Kyrie Irving has also missed about a week and is not playing today due to personal reasons. I know I sort of, sort of just had a laugh there and I know everyone's bagging him. And I know there's been, I just want to say there's been the rumor of his quotes to Steve Nash, the Nets coach. But I want to get in early and say, JL, I'm always a benefit of the doubt guy, unless you're some murderer, like <laughs> convicted felon. Yeah. <laughs> um, and <laughs> I know Kyrie Irving's no innocent, 
when it comes to being crazy. But I feel like, see, I was thinking he just doesn't ever want to play when KD's out. He never wants, he feels like that's what I was gathering. But today KD's back and he's still not back. So if he, if he played today, it's too obvious. If your theories are right. Yeah. You've yeah. got to, you know, give it one more game and make it look, you know, take the suspicion out of it. Yeah. See, I also um, thought of that. But I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe there is something happening at home. That's one thing. I mean, he's one of the biggest advocates of people just forget that they're just players. Sorry, that they're humans. They're not just players. Um, So I'll give Kyrie the benefit of the doubt. However, he's... He's he's walking on... Not walking on eggshells, I suppose, but it's getting a bit to almost like boy cried wolf where it is happening yeah. so regularly where every season there's something every, yeah. not even every season, every few months there's something. And you know, fair enough. If there is stuff going on by all means, but the fact that he was, and this is only speculated, but I think Steve Nash kind of admitted, you know, this is what happened, but not talking to any of the assistant coaches, not talking to Nash about why I was missing the game. They yeah. just knew he wasn't playing. So I don't know who he told within the organization but the coaching staff had no idea why. And I think no matter what you've got going on, at least be professional about it to communicate it to, you know, your, your coworkers yeah. and your place of employment. Yeah, that's, and that would allude to, he's just being immature Kyrie. So who knows what's going on, but moving on, let's talk about some injuries. Unfortunately, TJ Warren early on, we haven't, because we haven't spoken about it. Uh, he went out and he's out indefinitely after a foot injury, and I think he's got to have surgery. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie also did his ACL. Mark Fultz. That sucked for the Nets. Yeah, it did. Because um, that first week and a half, they had two weeks, all cylinders firing, mm. and it's definitely, uh, I guess, not, not the wheels are falling off, but they've definitely slowed down. Yeah, you know, that first game, I was like, shit, they're winning the championship. Yeah, so it was the biggest overreaction so quickly, but they looked incredible. And just as soon as he's coming out of the lineup, plus the, you know, KD and Kyrie things, but they just don't seem like they've got that depth anymore that they, they had in that opening week. Still very early, but as you said, they started so hot and just apart from like their record, they just started... They looked amazing, as he said. Mm. They're currently sitting ninth on the Eastern Conference table. That just shows you how the rest of their, you know, their their last few games have gone. So, yeah, Dinwiddie, let's talk about it for just a second. Dinwiddie going down for the whole season doesn't mean that they are not a championship contender. However, you'd say their case against the Lakers, let's just go, it's them, is a bit more real depth. We Mm. all know that um, Montrose Harrell might get a bit found out in the playoffs. I don't want to jump too early, but we all know about... Imagine a KD Kyrie pick and roll with Montrose trying to defend that. Yeah, like that's right. (laughs) He's not going to be playing many minutes. And so the Nets depth, which definitely included Spencer Dinwiddie and all their competent players, is their championship case their campaign and Dinwiddie goes down they just have less of those players um so thoughts on I guess 
How big is that for the Nets? Is it huge or is it just sort of, uh, well, it is big. And he was starting with them and he was playing well. And he's also someone that could run the floor when Katie and Kyrie were off the floor. But what might be even bigger is it pretty much eliminates all chance of them getting Harden, which we don't actually know. Yeah. We don't know if that was ever going to fulfill itself, but, if there's no Dinwiddie involved in a trade, because why would Houston take Dinwiddie now when he's 28 coming off ACL, where he's never, he's never been an all-star. He's never been an elite player. So it's not like he's, it's not like the Nets maxing KD when you know how good he has been. You take that risk. You don't give up James Harden for an torn ACL Dinwiddie and Karis Levert. Yeah. So the fact that now that's completely off the table in my mind, that might be more influential than Dinwiddie himself not playing. And while we're on that, let's just talk just quickly. I mean, it's sort of, it's totally gone out of the news. And I think it's going to stay like this. I reckon Harden, I just reckon Harden staying this season. The whole... Me too now. We, um, yeah, we had never seen someone when they've got two years left on their contract be like, get me out. And here's the reason. Because they don't have to. The, the, Yes, they've got a lot, a lot of leverage right now, the Rockets, in this trade window. But you sort of feel like with the weirdness that's happening this season and the injuries and the uncertainty, um, and there is a whole nother trade window after this one, the Rockets can just wait and have as much or a lot of leverage next window. Mm. This is, and I'm happy because you do not want players with two years left on their contract. One is enough. Two years left on their contract asking out, and this is a good lesson to everyone. I'd, yeah, you've got to think that Harden's staying for this season. And I think the more he plays, and I haven't watched all that many Houston games, but that first game he came out into yeah. like 40 or whatever it was. Yeah. Not but that week he was a bit, not like luster, but just sort of playing the way he plays. And... He was standing off ball, not doing much else. But I think the more I've watched him, the trust in Wall's grown, the trust in Christian Wood's grown. And he seems to be doing the things he was doing back in OKC or his first two years in Houston where he's moving off the ball a little bit more. And it's like maybe he is kind of enjoying this team and thinks we're half a chance here. Yeah. Well, if John Wall stays healthy... I believe he's a good enough player to do Houston things. And just quietly, you know, John Wall, Christian Wood, and if Boogie Cousins stays healthy coming off the bench, they've got some real experienced, you know, good players that can just collectively take them to at least, you know, Houston standards of the top five of recent years. Because Harden has the ball for 500% of each game. Yeah. And when he's got the ball, you are going to be a good team. So I guess it looks like Harden staying. Um, more injury news just this morning. Uh, Thomas Bryant for the Washington Wizards, who currently sit on the bottom of the East. Is it the league? Two and eight. You would say yes. Their yeah. percentage is... Uh, 0.200, yep, they have the worst win percentage in the league. Um, And Thomas Bryant has just gone down with an ACL. He will be out for the whole season. 
What is going on with the two and eight Wizards that I put in the playoffs? I put them in eighth. It's not too dissimilar to last year. Their offense is incredible. <laughs> they just cannot defend anything. Like a parked car. <laughs> they can't defend a parked car. Yes, as as Bradley Beal put it. I mean, you gotta get Beal out of there. I felt when I was watching Boston and Washington the other game, um, oh, I just felt so bad for him. He put up forty one and it was effortless and he's getting the ball in all sorts of positions and he's using the triple threat and he's scoring at will. And you know, you think, oh, they're a chance here, you know, Beal's had a tough three and a step back long two and he's hit them both. And then he'd pass the ball up and, <laughs> and Ish Smith would run a fast break and hit the bottom of the bottom of the ring on the layup. Like he's just got no help. And I feel for, I honestly think the whole time I'd love to see him in Boston because he's such a talented scorer. Yeah. I think that'd sort of fit what Boston are looking for for that sort of third piece. Um, but yeah, just get him anywhere. He, my, I think Miami, there's been rumors there, but I don't know. The Wizards are just shit. They've got no one. They're yeah. genuinely, other than Beal, they've got no one that's a starting, an NBA starter caliber sort of thing. Interesting to see what happens now with, with Thomas Bryant out because even though he's no, you know, like superstar, he's their starting center and he's sort of up and coming. But still, they got Beal and Westbrook. And having Westbrook and Beal, as much as I hate Westbrook, I thought that that would be the recipe to get them to eighth. Yeah. Um, Jeez, the Westbrook looked awful the other night. If Westbrook... <laughs> he looked awful. If they can't... Even with Bryant out, if they can't get to eighth in this Eastern Conference, I, I can't come up with anything right now. But I will forever, like... I'm going to disregard and discount like Westbrook's all-star appearances. <laughs> he just, if he can't get this team to uh, eight in the East. <laughs> no, nah, I just, he's, I, he's just not the player he once was. And uh, I think partly it's his athleticism's declined slightly, not a lot, but slightly. His jump shots lost him completely. Oh my God. His free throw shooting has gone because they've, when they change the rules, you can't leave the circle between free throws. His free throws percentage dropped by like 20 percentage points. That just fell apart. And I think also part of it, he's just been found out. Yeah. Kind of the way that Siakam's been found out. These people know how to defend him now. And it's taken the league 10 years to work at Westbrook. But now it's just like, just give him space and make him shoot. Yeah. That's and it. you'll be fine. That's it. Talking about Siakam before we just, I mean, I know we're going to really get into it and stuff like that, but we did our predictions last pod. We, we do apologize for not coming to you for the last like three weeks or so. My fault. Uh, uh, I gave us a couple of weeks off and I really, I have another podcast that I meant to have uploaded by now, but um, it just didn't get to happening. You know how the holidays go, JL. I do. I do. Too many. Uh, we deserve a break as well. That's it. So, and on that podcast, we did hot takes. And one of mine was that, well, let's, let me just mention that Siakam would not improve this season to any eye test. And I stick with that. That has happened. But let's go, to, let's go even a podcast that was uploaded, the last one, where I said that the Toronto Raptors are going to slide this season. 
And gosh, everything in these standings is like exactly what I said would happen apart from, you know, some early season, you know, whatever's like, obviously Den- Denver who have started uh, four and five are going to get up there. And Portland who I had marked down and had a bad start to the season are in the a sixth. They're not even doing that bad, but the Toronto Raptors, a two and six, two and six. It's tough to watch them at the moment. They're bad. They're so bad. Um, Fred so, Van Vliet, though, he's he's actually playing up to his contract, and he's yeah. the only one that's got any sort of positivity around him. But yeah. everyone else, even your man, the big uh, B. Aaron Baines, <laughs> who you saw drop what thirty-seven was it? Thirty-seven most by an Australian. But he's looking sluggish. It's just. It's all going wrong for the Raptors at the moment. Um, they have a guy by the name of, is it Norman Powell? Yeah, Norman Powell. Yeah. He has been terrible. I haven't loved, of course, Siakam's output. That's why um, I know that Boucher had a bit of a good game the other day. But in general, this team, you just look at this roster. The, the Raptors roster always is a bit like, you know, it's always like, what is it? But their coaches or their, I don't know, seem to get them to the second seed in the East every year. Mm. And as I, I'm happy, I don't know if this is just a bad start, but I'm happy to say, as I predicted, this is not the year. Calling it early. He's calling it early. Calling it early because there's too many good teams or good enough teams in the East to have a shitty roster and just get your coach to take you to the second seed. The Raptors are in big trouble. Let's talk about, haven't even gotten to any of the notes yet, but let's talk about um, how, what have you thought of the Charlotte Hornets and LaMelo Ball and... LaMelo's impressed me actually. Yeah, he's been good. I was, I was in the sort of, uh, I didn't think he'd be a bust per se, but I, I just... I didn't buy into the hype. That's one way to put it, I suppose. Yeah. I'm um, I really questioned his jump shot, which still, there's still a lot of questions about it. There's yeah. games where he's four from four from three and other, others where he's, you know, one for six. So there's no real consistency there. Um, but his passing has been as advertised. He's already, you know, verging on an elite, elite passer. So, like there's, he's got the flashy pass as well, which will, you know, be on sports center and we'll get you know house of highlights on Instagram posting it. But just the way he's, when he's on the wing, he's so good at the cross court into the corner pass and things like that, which is not an easy feat at all. Um, so yeah, he's, he's impressing me. There's a few, Terry Rose, has been all right. Um, Devontae Graham is having a shocking season. I think he's one of the few players that have shot more times and they've scored points. Yeah, <laughs> which for someone who played so well last year, averaging almost twenty a game, he finished the season like eighteen points a game. Yeah, um, yeah, he's been a disappointment. But overall, like five and five, you'd take that right now if you're a Hornets fan. Yeah, and and you've got to have them in the mix. I mean, currently there's a couple other teams we can sort of talk about the surprising mix. The Knicks are five and four, are sitting in sixth in the East. Uh, the Cavs are five and five, and that's slowly disintegrating, I believe. Um, hope, I, I love this Cavs team for some reason. <laughs> and what did they start? Like five and five and two? Yeah, something like that. Or four, four and two or something like that. So 
I was like, here we go. Sex land is happening. Sex land. It's, it's slowly, slowly coming, crashing down. Well, talking about that first half of that, uh, Colin Sexton mm. in his third year has started 25 points per game, which is five points above last season. He's uh, putting up more steals, slightly more assists. He's shooting 51% from three on yeah. four attempts. Um, and his minutes have gone up by four minutes. Very small sample size, only eight games. But he's looking to be, you know, you see quotes before the season starts on every player. I saw one or two that Colin <laughs> he's, Sexton... He's, he's, lost, he's lost 20 pounds, but also put on 10 pounds of muscle for every <laughs> player in the league. And he's also grown three inches. Yeah. And I don't know who I saw say that Colin Sexton, um, you know, is a real deal, one of the quotes. And it looks like it's going well for him. And he's yeah. been maybe the biggest reason for the Cavs good start. However, it does seem to be evening out as, as time goes on. Um, part of that sort of fight, and I guess in the same category, I know they've had tough games, but the Chicago Bulls, I've listed them here as I want to keep watching them. You know, when you said to me two podcasts ago that Patrick Williams, the man that they just drafted with their highest pick, looks a bit like Kawhi Lennon, one of my favorite players. Yeah. Of course, I had to go and watch him and check him out. And just now, just before we jumped on, the Bulls played the Clippers. And you're very right. Like, they, they, their bodies move the same, they defend it's, the same. And the way he moves, it's slow in a way. Like, Kawhi, I mean, he's quick on the fast break and he's got that quick first step, but he doesn't need to use it. He just sort of like dissects the defense and gets to where he wants and puts up that midi. And that's what I've seen from Williams. So yeah, I hate when people get too obsessed with comparisons when people come into the league, but that's one that from day one, I'm like, Oh shit, we've got a little, a little claw in our hands. And I don't know if it's just a gray patch, but you know, he's, have you seen Patrick Williams, his hair? Sorry about this, Patrick, but I don't know if it's a, I've never noticed it. Are are you getting like the, um, yeah, is it like the Rashid Wallace? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, let is me it like just... the Rashid Wallace thing. Actually, this looks dyed. It, it, I think it's dyed. I, don't, I just, yeah. I, I'm always benefited of the doubt, guys. I led with. Anyway, in this season, because it's grown out a bit, and he's sort of got like gravity's pulling it into dreads, or he's dreading it, or whatever the shit is. It looks like bird shit, bird poop. <laughs> There's a, so many photos of him this season with the Bulls. And let me just back my Bulls. Oh, my God. Google Images is hopeless. Um, anyway, it looks like bird shit. I, I mean, it might just be... Well, it's yeah, not... I, I know, I know Rashid Wallace had... Um, what's it called? I can't even remember the word for it now. Um, but Rashid Wallace had... In the back of his hair had like a little light patch. Yeah. So, who knows? Good on you, Patrick. Just rock it. Rock it with confidence. I got a good photo here, but anyway. Maybe I'll I'll put the I'll put it here in the in the sort of feed or whatever. I'm looking at a photo right now of him guarding LeBron and it looks like bird shit. It looks like a bird has shit in the top of his head. He's got Maybe it's it's for good luck, obviously. <laughs> that's what he needs. That's, that's why he's look like looking like Kawhi. That's what he needs. And look. The Bulls are four and seven as of right now, unless it hasn't been updated yet. They have played tough teams. They played 
just now. The Clippers, the Lakers, they probably shouldn't have lost to the Kings. They played the Blazers, the Mavs, the Bucks, um, and in there also the the Pacers and the Flying Hawks at the start of the season. So they have played good uh, teams, but um, but yeah, I I hope that it looks like they look good. They look like up and coming. Zach Levine is currently averaging. He, he's averaging 26 points per game. Um, he just put up 45 against the Clippers. He's got a bunch of these 35-plus games. Yeah. 40, he can play. His last five games, 45, 38, 32, 18, and 39. Do you think that Zach Levine, trained by our man Drew Hanlon, who came on the podcast a few weeks ago, do you think that Zach Levine can – affect winning basketball within the next yeah he's already there two years yes there definitely definitely i've no doubt in my mind um and i hate this sort of there are players in the league that will put up empty stats that's right but you go back to two or three seasons ago and everyone's like oh devin booker is just an empty stats kind of guy and it's like at the end of the day you've got to realize that there aren't there's probably five guys in the league maybe who will carry an average team to the playoffs. Yeah. For the, for the others, it's like they will do everything they can. They'll play well. They'll score their 26, but their team's just shit. And we saw that time and time again with Devin Booker. He was so heavily criticized. Like he, was, he was getting his own. And it's like, oh, he's putting out empty stats, but he's getting 27 points per game on an elite efficiency. And you're going to try and tell me he's not, not helping winning basketball. So yeah. I think Levine's in that situation where if, I mean, I know he was drafted to Minnesota and got traded, but if he was in Jalen Brown's situation, for example, and if Jalen was in Levine's situation, would there be that much of a difference? I know like their defense is, but their offensive game's not too dissimilar really. So I don't know. That's my, my theory has always been that it's just like, Jalen Brown is... You can't win everything by yourself. Jalen Brown is maybe the best example of the player to bring up in that conversation. If I ask you... No, I'm not going to ask... I'm not going to put Jalen Brown in it because you're a Celtics fan. But if I ask Please you... Please don't because I'll, cho- I'll choose him no matter what the question is. Who, who's better, Zach Levine or Brandon Ingram? Right now, who are you choosing to be on your team? Probably Ingram. Wow. But it's not, not by a lot. Um, and this is like just from, I think Ingram had a great season last year and was really efficient. But I'm thinking his defense has improved every year and now he's quite a capable defender, whereas Levine isn't as such. Um, and I think Ingram's the better passer of the two of them. Yeah, but they're quite. They're not. There's not much separating them, though, in my mind. Yeah, but that's that same category, basically. Like it's hard. It's so hard to tell because they're on losing teams. Yeah. Um, whereas you bring up Jalen Brown, if if they're in Jalen Brown's position next to Jason Tatum and Co, what are they doing? And you'd have to argue that they're not much different. Yeah. Um, it's like someone like um, Jamal Murray who last season was pretty, pretty average. He didn't do anything really last season. that was exceptional until the bubble. Yeah. And then everyone's rating him now as, you know, one of the top 10 young players in the league that's 
you know, under, under 25 years old or whatever. And hypothetically, if Levine was in that situation in the bubble and he had those 50-point playoff games, he'd be talked, to what, talked about in such a different light. But it's like, hang on, maybe Jokic is the common denominator here or maybe it's just players get hot and when they're on national TV, you treat them differently. I just don't think being on a losing team means you're not contributing to winning basketball. That's it. So I was going to dive into a bit of the Pelicans there, but quick word on the Pelicans. What have you thought so far? I haven't, I haven't watched too much of them. Neither. They started pretty nicely and they've lost a couple of close games. However, as part of me being right, which I've loved, they are currently at four and five. Yes, they're in the West, but this just goes to my point that I made in the predictions that I don't feel like they're ready yet. The Pelicans Zion and Ingram and everything to make the eight. And I was, geez, this looks great for me. The Suns are first in the West, seven and three. You I was, nailed that one. I was what, saying, what shirt are you wearing today? <laughs> oh yeah. The Suns. Um, the Suns are flying seven and three. Are yeah. The best record in the NBA with another team, seven and three. I don't know who that is. Sixes. The, the Celtics at the moment. The Celtics, sixes. <laughs> um, <laughs> and the Lakers. Anyway, um, the Suns, man. And they're winning good games as well. They're, they're, yeah. they're beating good teams. The Suns, as I said, and Mikhail Bridges had a, I think it might've been a career high yesterday, 35 or something oh, like that. I can't believe his improvement. He's uh, phenomenal this season. It's so simple, as I said on the predictions. CP. Uh, I will grant you that the Grizzlies' Jar Morant has been out for a couple of weeks yeah. now, and he will be out for at least like a couple of months with that ankle, sprained ankle. Um, the Timberwolves have just got Cat back. So even though they've got no one aside from That's him. so bad for Cat. D'Lo. Um, I will grant that the Timberwolves, the Kings have no excuse. Uh just God, they make me angry because I wish they were good. I like them. Um, but overall, the Suns are taking that eighth spot. Denver is Denver and the Rockets are currently early season sitting out of the eight right now. The Rockets yeah. have played no games. Um, Denver and the Rockets are getting in there if Harden stays. The Suns are keeping that eighth spot and it's cemented the Spurs, OKC, Pelicans. Grizzlies, Timberwolves, Kings aren't getting in there. I forgot where I was going with this, but um, <laughs> you just loving that Phoenix, uh, Phoenix are doing well. That's it. That's it. So Phoenix are killing it. Um, also, oh, you started. You started with the Pelicans. What more thoughts on that? Oh yes, this big rant. Just quickly on the Pelicans, because yeah, Morant's out. Cat's um, been out. Kings are shit. Okay, see, and uh, whatever. We may mention the Spurs later. What are your thoughts of the Pelicans just by looking at their record? You know, you might have watched a couple of games. They're just... They're just too young. Partly that, but they just don't know how to play yet. It's part of it as well. Um, they're... No one really knows how to use Zion yet. Yep. And I don't think he knows how he wants to play in the NBA either. And especially where he doesn't have this jump shot that, you know, that first game in his career where he hit four threes in the last eight minutes, whatever it was. Since then, I don't know how many he's hit. But he sort of, he looks like he's going to be a star, 
but he doesn't look like he's going to be the one that can take over games because he's not going to be the one bringing up the ball. He's always going to need a good point guard to get him the ball down low, which is kind of what Phoenix has done this year with Chris Paul. That's how Aiton's Aiton's games improved so much. Ingram is getting there, but still a while off. But outside of those two, it's kind of like a an empty roster. We've got Lonzo is improving, but still an average point guard at best. Steven Adams had his first triple double, but he's not going to be there for the, you know, for a lot when they're making deep yep. playoff runs, he's going to be out by that stage. So I don't know. Like, I think they're just in transition at the moment in terms of let's build what we've got. Let's work out how we want to play together and then we'll put those pieces into play. Yep. And I think, it looks bright and Ingram looks like he could be a great player. And, and of course Zion does as well, but I think there's a dangerous um, phenomenon that just being young, you know, Oh, they're up and coming, they're up and coming and they're up and coming. And then they never come. Yeah. There is a bit of fear I have for this team happening with that. Yeah. They've got Nikhil Alexander Walker. They've got, Josh Hart, they've got all these draft picks and maybe the draft picks will spring my whole point here, but I'm just scared that Zion and Ingram are as good as Wiggins and Cat, for example. You know, their ceiling, their ceiling is barely even making the playoffs. So interesting to see where that goes. Let's mention the San Antonio Spurs, who are five and four, beat the Lakers the other day. It was a very nice win. DeJounte Murray, let me. Oh, I had his stats up. What am I doing? Having a jogger. DeJounte Murray uh, is averaging career highs in everything 16 points compared to last season's uh, 10. He's. Oh, wait. Yeah, gone up one in assists. He's shooting uh, nearly 50% from the field. And, oh, wait, no, not career highs and everything. But he's doing good. Career highs in points. He's always shown flashes. And I think he's one of those players I've always known we're going to be good. Yeah, yeah, His defense is incredible. I think he made defensive, all defensive team like two years ago playing like 21 minutes a game. Yeah, or whatever it was, he's just—he's got a feel for the game, a knack for the game, and I think, especially playing for the Spurs, they bring out the best in everyone. And he's a good slasher. That's a good point. But yeah, his his defense and he's good at layups. His minutes have gone up so far this season by seven minutes from twenty-five to thirty-two. Hopefully, he is a really good piece yeah. for the Spurs moving while, forward. While we're on the Spurs, Demar Derozan is having. A great year so far. He's uh, slamming at home. He's averaging 21, seven assists, six rebounds, playing at the power forward spot. Yeah. And I was just thinking, how lucky is San Antonio that they've gone from the greatest power forward ever, arguably, in Tim Duncan, straight to DeMar DeRozan. So, like, yeah, Pop's coaching career is just based on DeMar being a gun. That's... (laughs) (laughs) Let's <laughs> see it. So, what what do you what's your feeling with that? Is uh, Demar and Aldridge, who have both started nicely, are they still getting traded? Are the Spurs mailing it in? Oh, I don't know. I mean, they started all right. It's not it's not in the Spurs' nature to make big trades, is it? No. Um, 
But DeMar is actually seen, he's almost shooting 40% from three on 2.6 attempts per game, which for him is just, I think that's why his offense has opened up so much. Um, he's actually drawing a man to the corner. Um, so I don't know what the Spurs are going to do. You, ne- you never know with the Spurs because Pop just, he does pop things. Have you watched many Spurs games at the moment? I watched the Lakers one. When have, they you, bit- have you seen how good Pop looks in his tracksuit with his long hair? <laughs> with his long hair. Did you see, oh, how, he just, see that photo of how beautiful. high he jumped? No. Oh, there's a photo. I can't remember. I think it was against the Clippers. They, you know, they've been in LA. And um, he jumps yelling at the ref, of course. And he's jumped. That's, that's not unlike him. Like higher than Zion. I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> higher than the Duke record of 40 inch vertical just raw athleticism good old pop uh but uh, yeah i mean it's all fun in games but personally as a person who um is championship or tank you know i got the feeling in my blood it's all fun in games but what's it even worth and how long is pop even what's going on you know i just i'd be looking to trade like their their value is so high right now. Like, do it now. Trade Demar yeah. and and Aldridge and get some real good young pieces or draft picks or whatever because that's going to take the Spurs to their next championship. They However, definitely are the almost a perfect example of being stuck in no man's land at the moment. Yeah, because you've got two aging veterans and quite a decent young core, and there's no one in between. That's right. And uh, let's not forget uh, Paddy Mills. Our good, mate. On, good on you, Paddy. How good are the Spurs commentators? I love it. We need to say g'day, mate. And they can't yeah. even say g'day. They're like you. Yeah. You can't say g'day properly. <laughs> I don't want to say it now. But every yeah, every time he hits the three, <laughs> I'll say it. Good, good on you, Paddy. Good day, mate. <laughs> good on you, Paddy. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. When you, you're a league pass man, you know, you messaged yeah. me recently. You surely would choose the feed that you like the better commentators. Oh, without a doubt. Are we got to do like a like a five minute, ten minute episode where we just go through the commentators' the teams' commentary. Oh, there's some commentators that I'll just do everything to avoid. I'm never um, listening to the Rockets or Utah commentators ever. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah. They're they're both. Oh, I don't mind the Utah. There are. I love how the Utah um, play-by-play guy always uh, calls him by first name. Donovan. Yeah. <laughs> He's Rudy. He's Joe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm not sure how many Utah Jazz fans we have as listeners, so we can't. Hundreds of thousands. <laughs> we can't spend too much time <laughs> on them. Um, moving on. Let's keep going. So, Dejounte Murray. The Spurs are fun, but what are you doing? But they're fun. Dejounte Murray is good. Uh, do we want to talk about Randall for five seconds? Yeah, what the fuck is going on there? <laughs> That's all I... His, his major criticism for his entire career is that he can't pass and he just can't, tries to lay bully ball. He just tries to take on, take on everyone. And there was one play that came up on my feed and I think it was... Um, what's his name? How my, Austin Rivers' first game for New York. And he's standing wide open in the corner and Randall drives in on four defenders and turns the ball over and I'm like, all right, 
He's had a hot start, but he's back. He's back to his old self. But once again, he's proved me wrong. He's assist. He's averaging what, like six, seven assists a game. Seven point three assists per game, like, which is four more than he's ever had. He's got the ball in his hands. He there was one to play. I can't remember who it was against, but he got the rebound and took off in transition. I was like, shit, this kind of looks like LeBron. <laughs> <laughs> he. I mean, well- his athleticism has never been the question. Yeah. He's a good player, man. And everyone knows you can't stop him if he goes to his left hand. Like, Mm. it's just an automatic everyone knows that. He on his... And when you have something that's unstoppable, you should be a good player in the league. So we've got the Kareem Skyhook, the Dirk Fadeaway, the Dream (laughs) Shake, and Julius Randle gone left. (laughs) And... I said that I enjoyed him for five minutes playing fast pace under Gentry with AD. And, you know, sometimes he would have to step out to the three-point line and that sort of expanded his game. He's currently averaging his highest ever from three, which is 36% on four attempts. For uh, for a power forward, he's he's doing oh, everything. Julio. He's nearly yeah, shooting. I can't believe it. Um. Uh, I'm fully expect. I'm fully expecting regression to the mean very soon. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I'm riding this wave as long as I can because I I hate the Knicks, but it's fun when the Knicks are good. I never hate a team that doesn't get in the way, and the Knicks have never been in the way, so <laughs> I can't hate them yet. But five and four, Randall's playing well. I hope for their sake that they can just do something because I'm sick of just nothing. I'm sick of not being able to even just think about them because they're just so hard to think about but you're right they're probably going to go back to their crap anyway let's move on it's worth mentioning that it i'm thinking that this bucks team is all right i'm always slamming them but i reckon they're really showing that they're they're a bit more built for the playoffs i know we're having a weird season but the bucks starting their first 10 games six and four actually is a better positive for me than a negative because it shows that they're not just this team built for the regular season with tons of like plastic depth. Drew Holiday, you know, they set the record 29 threes in a game against all that. That was cooked. And And the only player that didn't hit a three was their, their MVP. Giannis. (laughs) Um, Giannis still looks the same, but overall I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what this Bucks team can be come playoff time and they're starting it's five. A, it's a classic case of you've lost depth, but you've gained star power. Yeah. And in the playoffs, you'd prefer that. That's right. You don't need to be running your 10, 11 man lineups, which for some reason, Coach Bud always seems to be wanting to do. You need to cut it down to eight, nine men tops and just run with that. And I think that's what they're sort of they're steering into that skid at the moment and in the 10 games to start the season chris middleton's just up on his uh average of points per game by about one or two he's shooting 50 percent from three on six attempts and he's also doing nice sharing the ball six assists which would be his highest ever chris middleton i can't believe how good he is yeah he's nice he's just i don't know i just feel like to quote uh, Sixers podcaster Spike Eskin. If Chris Middleton is your second best player, are you winning the championship? And I don't know if you are ever. Yeah, I think you couldn't. Nah, no, nah, you're not. Nah. <laughs> so, hypothetically, if you love Kawhi, if Kawhi and Middleton were mm. playing together, mm. 
there's no way you could say, oh, they're not a championship contender. As much as I love Kawhi. Oh, sorry. If LeBron could, and Middleton were playing together. So you'd be like, oh, no, no, no. second best player. No, no, no. Contender, yes. But the Bucks have been a contender. Anyway, this is a different season. But contender, yes. They're a contender. But If your second best guy is averaging, what, 26, however many rebounds and six assists. Mm. <laughs> that's a, the, arguably the best secondary piece you can have. He's averaging 23. Is he? Yeah. Ah, he's all right. It'll, it'll, it'll lift. It'll lift. <laughs> anyway. Nah, you just, and he's you, a 50, 40, 90 kind of guy. You just look at I'm it, right? I'm for it. Like, just quickly on that point, you look at it. LeBron AD. Kyrie KD. This is why the Lakers, in a way, walk to the championship. LeBron AD. Kyrie. Did I say your version? Kyrie KD? <laughs> you didn't, but now you have. Kyrie KD. Uh, if they didn't choke... Unsustainable offensive numbers. Kawhi and PG. These are all better duos than Giannis and Chris Middleton. For now. No, they are. No, I just think... Who's better? Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum or Giannis and Middleton? (laughs) Why would you compare the greatest two, the best duo of all time? (laughs) To some yeah. scrubs. There it is. We're talking. We're now, talking. Okay. The only two players who could beat Jordan and Pippen. So <laughs> <laughs> now I've got you. All right. Yeah. So congratulations to Middleton for the start of the season. However, I am more realistically excited about the Bucks because I, of I think as well. <laughs> I think why I rate Middleton so highly is that whenever he plays the Celtics, he drops forty. All right. That that'll hurt. Wait, there was that playoff series. I think it was twenty. 18 off memory, 2017, 18. Um, and he just hit clutch three after clutch three. I think he averaged 29 points a game for the series, like seven assists, shot 55% from three, the entire seven-game series. So I'm just like, I'm so scarred by him yep. that I rate him so highly. It's just like Terry Rozier. If Terry Rozier comes to see the Sixers, we're having a bad night. Even though we beat the, the Hornets both times we played them so far this season, Rosia put up like 35. <laughs> <laughs> He's just too good against us. All right. Let's keep going. Chris Middleton's been nice. I also want to give a shout-out to Batum. I'm not going to look up his stats. However, he went from doing nothing at all to starting... He was a corpse. Yeah, to starting on the Clippers because Marcus Morris has been out. And it's like... He made a four-point play on this Bulls game just before. He's doing his job. He's guarding and he's making threes, three and D. And, I and think, he can pass the ball as well. I think Marcus Morris actually himself has sort of allowed him to take, to continue getting good minutes between as while he's in this form. And then I think Marcus Morris is going to slowly take the spot. But that's good for the Clippers that he's actually a piece and not nothing. Yeah. Let's get on to your man, Christian Wood. Tell me about his beautiful start and how he used to be a sixer. <laughs> That's why he's decent now. He's no longer playing for Philly. How many games was it? 17 total games for Philadelphia. Oh, what a man. Yeah, for 3.6 points of the game. Take me back to the process. For Detroit last year, the last, like, what, 20 games, he was an all-star. He looked good. And everyone was like, oh, it's not sustainable, not sustainable. And then he's a free agent and everyone's like, oh, he's going to be most improved player. He's a gun. And I cracked it on the pod. I was like, 
I fucking hate when this happens. Mm. You talk him up when you're a chance to get him in free agency, but when he's playing for Detroit, you're criticizing him. But he has come out flying this season. He's averaging 23 and 11. Can't play defense to save himself. He's like, <laughs> he reminds me, you know, when you go to the footy or you go to a, any sporting event or you, and you go through those like turnstiles that have like the three prongs and you press one and it sort of rolls forward. That's what he's like on defense. <laughs> he just, <laughs> he just lets you roll through him. His um, arms, his arms are just the turnstile. Yeah. But on, on offense, he looks like AD. Yeah, he's good. Doesn't obviously have the full package like Davis does, but he can run the floor. He can shoot from outside. He can catch lobs. He can shoot mid-range. He can handle the ball a bit. He's not the worst passer. He just can't play defense. But overall, for a guy that has almost been out of the league like five times, do you hear his story about draft day? Yeah. Yeah. When he, and he didn't get drafted and his girlfriend broke up with him. Yeah, so sad. Like, just had everything against him. Um, was Got cut by Philly. Cut by Charlotte. I think I traded by Charlotte, maybe. Done to Milwaukee. They cut him. Looked all right for New Orleans for eight games, but they cut him. for some, He averaged 16, 17 points a game for New Orleans, and they cut him. Yeah. Detroit last year finally made a name for himself, and here he is. So that's one of the better feel-good stories this season so far. Um, so, yeah, fingers crossed he keeps that up because if he keeps this level up, just increases the likelihood of Harden staying, I think. That's right. So there's not much else to get to on like the real must talk about. I want to talk about Trey Young and the Hawks. Trey Young. So the Hawks started in some fashion, top of the league, like five and one, four and one, something like that. They are currently sitting 10th in the East, four and five. And, and they have lost. Let me get this up. They have lost. So they they won their first. They started f- uh, four and one, and they have yeah. lost four in a row since then to the Hornets twice, to the Knicks and the Cavs, which and, are great teams. And Bogdanovich has <laughs> also just uh, they announced he's suffered a he fra- his knee. fractured right knee, so that could be season maybe. No, I think it's just a bone bruise, didn't they say? Oh, okay. So, well, um, I mean, that technically is a fracture, but I don't think that's like, it's like six to eight weeks off, I think. But I'm no doctor, no <laughs> medical expert. Anyway, their main guy, Trey Young, last season, let's just go his second season last season. I know he's fluctuating young players, but for a guy who's supposed to be really exciting, he started well, 29 points per game last season. He's currently averaging 24. Yes, he has more pieces, but still you're the guy. And here's the alarming part for me. The guy who hangs his hat on three-point percentage, he's shooting less. So last season, he was averaging 9.5 attempts from three per game. And this season, he's averaging 5.6. And he's shooting 28%. Last season, he was shooting 36% on 10 threes per game. And I know you want to mention Steve Nash, blah, blah. Trey Young and the Hawks, but especially Trey Young, you got to get your shit together. It's time to get your shit together. Yeah. I mean, well, what, how did he, the first five games was averaging like 30. So he's just hit a big, big slump at the moment. Mm. Um, and I think 
over the course of an 82 or 72 game season, there's going to be these slumps for any player. It just looks bad when it's early on because you look at their averages and they're way down, especially when you're losing games as well. So I think he'll get back to how he started the season. But with John Collins potentially being upset with this, how this team is playing and now Bogdanovich is out, Radish is shooting the ball poorly, which is hurting me every game after my big <laughs> my big hot take that he'd be better than Zion and uh, um, and RJ. But I think he'll be all right. But he's in that he's still in that category of not good enough to take your team to the playoffs, and still has a pretty poor team around him, and will be criticised because of that. Yeah, and he's with the Levines, and he's with the the Beals and he's with the Carl Anthony Townsers. And because he's so bad on defense, unfortunately his size is a big factor of that. You can't be doing that. That's the difference maybe with yeah. Levine and Ingram because I mean, I can't really think I know Ingram's an all right defender, I, I think. Um, but just straight out their size helps to just stay mm, in front of guys. Definitely. Trey Young literally has to get subbed off in, in late defensive possessions because he's that guy, just like Steph Curry. Unfortunately, I know they don't love the comparisons, those two, but they are so similar. Um, he has to get subbed off for defensive possessions. You can't be having inefficient and big slumps, you know, huge slumps. It can't go for too much longer if you're going to be the main guy on your team and you can't slump like this offensively. So he has to get going. I also, on my front, I just want to say that I know that they're five and four, but the the Blazers, I seem to feel weird because they're five and four, but the Blazers need to get going because, and Dame needs to get going. I know he had 39 points the other day, but their defense is still worrying. And I think Collins had to get surgery again, so he's going to be out for a bit. If they want to seriously contend, which they do, you know, they keep adding these pieces. They got Covington this season and Derek Jones Jr. They need to start kicking into gear because they've got to be seriously fighting for that top four. I know it's early season, but it's got to be said, have you... Had any of these assessments about the Blazers? They're, the Blazers are the Blazers to me. <laughs> I don't think they've changed in the last like four seasons now. Yeah. They'll finish as a top. At best, they'll be the three seed. More likely, they're looking at like the, the sixth seed. And they'll win games off the back and Damon CJ, which still, I think, don't work well together. Yeah. I mean, they work well enough to get them into the playoffs and they might win a playoff series here or there. But CJ on his own would be so much better than he is. And yeah. I think, I don't know what trade could be possible because CJ's got a massive contract anyway. But I think this team could have such a better, I, don't, I think the roster composition is quite poor at the moment. And if they did fully commit to Dame and put the right pieces around him, they'd be so much better but they're just sort of stuck with what they've got at the moment. So I don't know. I, I think I get what you're saying, but saying I was just, it's just who the Blazers are at this point. They're not yep. going to take that leap with this, with Damon CJ leading the way. Yep. And 
also, you know, they've got their defensive problems, but as you're saying, they're, it seems like for a while now, their offensive strategy or whatever the shit is, is just ISOs. Dame yeah, you, ISOs. Take, you take a shot, I take a shot. Yeah, Dame ISOs, CJ ISOs, and now even Nurkic ISOs, and it's just, you need to have a flowing offense. Um, so I'm a bit worried about the Blazers, but overall everything seems to be, you know, fitting out the way I thought it would in the West. Did you want to comment on sort of anyone else? Um, I know you probably want well, to talk about Jokic. I always want to talk about Jokic. There was, oh, I feel so... Like he's playing some of the best basketball individually I've seen in a long time. Yeah, he's great. Um, and there was a post on Reddit this morning that I saw that said, when Jokic is on the court, they're the second best team in the league. And when he's off the floor, they are the worst team in NBA history. Wow. So that's just go. And that's obviously a very small sample size, but it just goes to show how important he is to that team. Yeah. And how Murray and Porter Jr. still aren't quite there yet. Yeah. Um, but they're, <laughs> they're net rating with him off the court. So it's 15 minutes per game. They're at a negative 20.1 net rating. Jeez. The 2012 Bobcats <laughs> and the 1993 Mavs had the record of negative 15.2. So they're well and truly over that. Wow. Um, so over the course of an 82 season, it equates to about a five, five win, 77 loss season. So that's what Jokic is doing at the moment when he's on the floor compared to off. Um, the one guy I really want to talk about is my pick for rookie of the year. Oh, he's been great. He's been incredible. Tyrese Halliburton, who I was hoping Boston would pick up. And I think he went one slot before Boston, maybe two, something like that in the drafts. But he's come in, coming off the bench, playing point guard at six foot five, 12 points a game, two and a half rebounds, but five and a half assists, which is incredible for a guy that doesn't turn the ball. He turns the ball over once per game. He's already got one of the best assists to turnover ratios in the league. I just think he looks phenomenal. He's got this awful looking shot, push looking, put shot. Yeah. Shot put looking, push shot. Sorry. Um, but yeah, he just gets the job done constantly. He's he's always there in the dying stage of games because they rely on him so much because he's such a good ball handler. Yeah, he's got the best offensive rating in the NBA at the moment, like 139. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I think he's. I just think he's the real. He's not going to be a championship. He's not going to be an MVP sort of player. But he's going to be the guy that's. I'm just trying to think of a good example who he might be. Um, well, if you're talking non-championship, like Tatum. <laughs> no, because I think... <laughs> fuck you. You want to talk about non-championships, mate. Um, but he could be the, the kind of guy that on a championship winning team, he's there as the third star that will get his 16 points quietly, but will just run the offense is what I'm... What yeah, I'm trying no, to get at. He could even become the second and one would, uh, oh, well, on a championship team, he could even become the second star. Um, you know, very, very young career, but he's looking like the most, one of the most real deals out of all the rookies right mm-hmm. now. Like he's making the big shots. He's affecting their winning. He's pretty much the most exciting thing in Sacramento at the moment. I don't know why Darren Fox is not exciting. Um, I know he pulled a hammy or something the other day or whatever, but yes, Halliburton has been awesome. 
So that's been awesome. He's shooting 50% from three, and that was his major criticism coming into the draft was that his shot wouldn't translate into the NBA. Yeah. Yeah, He's pulling logo threes in clutch situations and draining them. So I'm sold from his first eight games. I'm sold. And I think he'll he'll be around for a long time. Anyway, I feel like we haven't touched enough on the whole COVID thing. Let's just mention it before we go. It just keeps layering on top of each other. So, as I said, the Celtics and the Heat um, game was postponed. The Sixers had to fucking play against Denver, even though we had seven players. If you have less than eight players, you must forfeit or you have to forfeit. We yeah. have seven players ready to play um, against Denver yesterday morning. And just so because they wouldn't let us postpone, we had to dress injured Mike, Mike Scott. He had to just get dressed and then we played with seven players. on the bench. And we were essentially the process sixes. I won't cry too much about it. COVID is really just getting started with the NBA. And I feel like the, the vaccine is going too slow in terms of the rollout. So I believe that I'm just guessing that it's not going to really affect the NBA. Um, well, the, Adam Silver himself said, we're not going to be getting it first. There's people that need it more than that's professional right. sports. And that's so good. That's good. It's the right attitude. It sucks for NBA fans, but that's the right attitude. That's right. Uh, Woj tweeted today that the NBA, because obviously people are starting to wonder, and he would have asked the question, the NBA is in no way considering pausing the league at this moment, even though games are getting postponed, players are missing, you know, everyone's missing. Maxi Kleber and the the Mavs uh, facility has been shut down after a second uh, positive test. The Sixers are riddled right now, and I can't think of anyone else. You know, Houston have played barely any games. Where do you think this is heading, JL? Apart from a very frustrating season that's really nervy. pissing me like, off. I don't know how much longer the season will carry on for at this stage. Mm. And it's too far out to do a bubble. So It is too far out. But do they consider? Here's, here's you know, try and conjure up something in your mind right now. <laughs> do they consider something like this? And this is a shout out to all my old FIFA tournament mates. I used to organize and run 24-hour FIFA tournaments, right? That sounds awful. With the boys, 10 guys. It was the most grueling um, battle you'll ever do. And there was only ever four of them. And I won one of them. I mean, I just want to... I won one of them. 24 hours, the game is is continually, continuously played, 10 guys, and it just continues to move. And the way I would set up the fixture so we could have some sleeping time is that I would set up into two groups or let's call them two conferences. And then sort of one conference plays each other while the other one sleeps for five hours and then... And then vice versa. And then you have some cross-conference play in like a league season. Anyway, blah, blah. Very proud of it. All organized by me. (laughs) Do they consider something like chucking the Eastern Conference in the bubble? Taking them out, chucking the Western Conference in the bubble? I don't know. And then... And then maybe actually thinking about... In in some American sports, not every team plays every team. You know, Mm. do they consider scrapping cross-conference play and just let's just bite the bullet for one year and yeah, and, and then have the playoffs in the bubble as well. 
Um, it's a. Uh, what I've heard before they started the season, what all the rumors were sort of like, how will they do this if COVID breaks out between the players? And a lot of people sort of suggested doing bubbles for the five teams in each division, which would be difficult. But I think that'll work so much better for families where they're close by. They can, you know, the families can stay with them for however long sort of thing. Yeah. That makes sense. Doing a conference bubble kind of makes sense as well, but it's just like, the players just don't want to do it again. LeBron said he was awake. You had, was it 98 nights, I think, the yeah. Lakers had in the bubble? Yeah. Like, imagine that, but now you've got the entire season as well, bar 10 games. I just, I don't know how it's going to work. I think the NBA is just going to play through it. And if teams miss out on players, they miss out on players because it's the only way they're still going to be able to play it each night. Yeah. What about just simply playoffs in the bubble? I think okay. that'll happen again. I'm, I'm, the NBA is not admitting to it. They're not obviously not planning for it either. But I think that's likely because think, yeah, how else can you do it? I think you can't the, risk the, LeBron getting sick game one of the or the eve of the game one of the NBA finals. That's it. So, they, um, so before they even conjured up that the season would start on, um, you're someone there. Yeah. <laughs> Mum's walked in very confused. Um, so before they conjured up that the season would start on December 22, they w- there was talk of them trying to start in like March because of hoping the vaccine would be rolled out. Yeah. So you've got this feeling that that's on their mind and they're just, the NBA is actually delaying the inevitable. They're really hoping that a vaccine will be part of the happy end of this playoff season. But I, I would just say they should not be counting on it. And surely they're learning that. So if anything, I reckon they've got to be planning a, a playoffs bubble. Because as you said, you don't want LeBron catching COVID and then having to miss, what, 14 days? Yeah. Uh, um, nah, I just, yeah. I don't know. I think no matter what the NBA is putting out at the moment, they'll be doing some little planning in the background. They've probably already spoken to Disney World being like, just in case, you know, keep yeah. it available. Well, the so. G, the G League's going to Disney World for the bubbles. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, anyway, I've got to be honest with you. Just oh, and also, just quickly again. I so all these things. The no crowd sucks. It does suck, it does. Like, like always. But and the COVID sucks, and we've covered that now. But what's your take on these little series? You know, I know that I know they're doing it. So there's. I less, think they're fun. No, I hate it. I hate really? it. Really. Classic. I mean, Boston, Boston, and Brooklyn have always done it. The last like few years, we've always done a home and home where, you know, you flip it around the next night. I think it's fun for some reason. Like it's just like a tiny little. I hate it. You get to feel the opposition out the first night, and then, you know, try something new the second night. And it's like, I know it means nothing ultimately, but I think it's great for teams in terms of playoff preparation, where it's like, yeah, we the- lost because of this, or we won because of this. They're going to counter with this. How do we do? I think that's really good for development for that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's good for that. But I just think as a spectator, like, like for example, I know it's harder for teams on the East, good teams on the East, because it gets a bit boring playing the shit teams. But we had to play the Hornets two nights in a row, man. And I know the, I know everyone loves the mellow ball, but the way that the Sixers were playing 
you know, we were definitely going to win both of those games. And it's just like, okay, boring. Like, let's just give us Hornets and then, for example, the Nuggets the night before or the mm. night after. Anyway, I'm not, in, I'm not loving this whole series shit, but it is what it is. You just can't be pleased, Nave. That's, that's uh, the main takeaway from this. Can't be pleased, mate. Anyway, we are so sorry that we... I didn't upload 2B after saying it was 2A. I will find a way to get that out some day eventually, or maybe it'll be lost in the, but it had some hot take, had some hot takes in there. So I'll find a way to get it out. JL, thank you for coming on. It is currently, what is the? 11.58. You got the degrees? Oh, do you want the temperature? I'll whack on bomb then because um, if anyone uses any other weather app other than bomb, not a fan. Bureau um, of come- Weather, Bureau of Meteorology, Meteorology Melbourne. So, or just no meteorology. Yeah, it's currently thirty three point three with a max of thirty eight. Do you want to whip that into Fahrenheit for me? Um, well, it's currently thirty five in where I am, Dalahay, and degrees Celsius, which is ninety four. <laughs> She's warm. So it is a very hot day and it gets super hot in my room. So thank you for coming on, JL, for this. And thank you for everyone listening. It's going to be a real exciting year. We're nearly at our one-year anniversary, which is in about two weeks. Really? Yeah. What are you, what are you, what are you doing for me? You're taking me out? Uh, I'll take you out for some nice, um, some nice apple pie and quiche. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it's going to be a good year. We're going to be ramping up the YouTube, doing some little clips. I'm going to be, you know, gun to JL's back and I'm going to be forcing him to do some clips and some TikTok clips. And Oh, no. We got, we're going viral, JL. we got to get oh, viral. No. So all these little things. It's going to be a great year. Thank you for joining us. Happy New My Year pleasure. 2021. Uh, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, don't forget to leave a five-star rating or a review. It really helps the show. Press follow or subscribe, whether it's YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, we're everywhere. Just press that button. Check us out on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. JL, thank Nave. you for coming on, and I hope there's some NBA to talk about next week. Well, hopefully, because... Looking pretty dire at the moment. I know, I know. All right, I'll uh, Alrighty. speak to I'll you. I'll speak to you soon, mate.